Thank you very much. Wow. I've been given a very interesting subject to discuss this evening, but we're going to trust God through the process. So our journey started here sometime in May, I believe 21st of May. That's when Aunt did the first introduction to a book of Acts. And anytime I tell my daughter that I'm coming for the evening service, the first question she asks me is that, is the ice cream van coming? Because she knows that the first session had an ice cream. So for the marketing people, if you want to invite children to evening services, tell them that there's an ice cream van here. Yeah, you're right. You're right there. So we've been looking at the book of Acts for a couple of weeks now. And I must say, my highlight, I know everybody here will have a highlight. But before I go to the message, I want to say about my highlights. The highlight was talking about when unleaded men, people who were unschooled, had an encounter with Jesus, their life transformed. And I think I lectured that message a couple of weeks ago. That was my highlight. But I'm sure if I ask everybody here, everybody will have an highlight to tell us about. So just a quick recap. We established that the book of Acts was written by Luke. Ants told us that he had two books. He wrote the first of Luke, and the sequel was the book of Acts. But today we're going to focus from on Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. And I read, I must say, it's a very dramatic account. So Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And when Ananias heard this word, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her besides her husband. And great fear came upon came upon all those who heard these things. Very dramatic story. Just want to make references to a couple of incidents of the same nature that happened in the Old Testament. I'm sure most of us know Genesis 19. Sodom and Gomorrah, the people decided to live in sin and God destroyed the city, right? Then in the book of 2 Samuel, the story is told of God gives specific instructions of them of how to carry the ark of God right, to Jerusalem. In the process of doing this, they were carrying the ark and somebody decided to stop the ark from falling and he was dragged down and he died. Right? God hates sin. We need to establish that. And by nature, 
he loves his people and he wants us to go away from sin. So his punishment to us is not because he hates us, but because of his love for us as humans and he wants us to always get it right. But to get a better understanding of Acts chapter 5, we need to go make reference to Acts chapter 4, the last few days, and Johnny did an excellent teaching on that last week, that the people, the believers were very generous. They, were, they had experienced miracles among their midst. They were doing God's work in a tremendous way. They were sharing their possessions among each other. And you will notice that there was nowhere in the scripture that was telling them that they had to sell all their belongings, but it was their love of God that led them to be very generous in their giving. So we moved on to Bible scholars. I'm sure uh, they'll tell us that Bible, Bible was written in a whole script, so there were no chapters, there were no verses. So if you look at this, it goes, it starts that, but a man named Anas, so there was a comparison here from the other man in chapter 4 called Barnabas, who the Bible tells us that he was very generous in his giving. So in attempt for Anias to be able to live the same life, because he's heard about this man that was, had been very generous in his giving. So in, a, in, a, in his attempt to also go that way, he decided to follow suit. But in the process of doing that, he read, he, he Ed, he went off the tracks. So the, the story we read earlier on, Ananias comes in and tells Peter that he's giving, he sold all his belongings to give it to the church. But we realize that that wasn't so. And I want to use a couple of words here. The Bible talks about the word he kept back. It says he kept back some of the money. He didn't give all to him. What's the word? The word there. It says that the word used is misappropriate. Another word to use is uh, he he stole or he embezzled the money. So there was an implied decision here that he had said that he was going to give all the money to the church, but he did not. And he took some of it. Anytime that word is used, that word is also used in Titus 2. 210 referring that the person has stolen something or misappropriated the money. So anytime this word is used, it had a negative connotation. Ananas did not keep to the promise. He made he discussed with his wife that they were not going to give all the money. That wasn't what the church was expecting. That wasn't what the apostles were expecting. Because Barnabas did that and he gave all the money. So you could see that they were not being real, and this is where with the subject of hypocrisy comes into, into context. So I just want to look at this word. They said, it is, uh, the Eastern Bible Dictionary says, one who puts on a mask and pretends to be someone he is not. One who puts on a mask and he's pretending to someone he's not. And this is where we get the word actor. So somebody is trying to act in a certain way that they are not. That's where we get the word hypocrisy from. And Jesus had a lot to say this. And if anything, if somebody repeats something several times again, over and over again, which means it is a much concern to this individual, Jesus had a lot to say about this. He referred to the Pharisees. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will not have the reward in your father. Then he also said about, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, 
you have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in heaven, who is sin. Then Matthew 2, you say, refers the same thing about those honoring God with their lips, but their hearts are far, far off. God is telling us that he hates hypocrisy. He hates it. The main concern of this people was they lied to the Holy Spirit. And who know little, but they also lie to God. They tried to deceive God's people. Their desire was to deceive God's people and create an impression. However, they were meant to be lying to God, not to the people. They valued the approval of individuals than God. They wanted the church, they wanted the believers to think that they were very generous and they are giving everything. So Peter then confronts them, says, wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? So there was no need for them at all to lie about this. Because Peter is telling them that the land was yours. The house was yours. The property was yours. Whatever it is, you sold it. So you could have come to say, listen, I sold the house for maybe 100,000 pounds. I just want to give 50 to the church and keep 50 for myself. There was no need for them to lie about it and tell the church that they've sold the whole land and were bringing it to them. We become hypocrites anytime we do something and look for approval for men. Hypocrisy is trying to preach, practice what we preach. When we want others to think of us that we are more important to people than what God thinks of us. The lying was the issue here and God hates it. God expects us to be truthful in all that we do. Ananias and Sapphira to them, they thought they were lying to men, members of the church. But they were lying to God. And if you realize that Peter refers to the Holy Spirit, and this is why as believers we believe in the Trinity. He said that you are lying to the Spirit and you are lying to God. With this couple, it was the selling of the land. But I believe as believers, there are also areas in our lives where we need to examine. That are we acting? Are we being real? Are we being actors? Are we being hypocrites? God is calling us this evening to re-examine ourselves. Sometimes you might think you are more spiritual than others. Sometimes you want to be, you think you are more prayerful than other people. And I've heard this said several times, and it amazes me when we say among Christian circles, fake it until you make it. This is hypocrisy. God doesn't expect us to face anything. Why do you give an offering? Do you give an offering because you want the finance team to know you are the biggest giver in church? Or you want to give an offering because you are generous and God is expecting you to be giving, to give all your things to him? We all fall victim of this, and I'll tell you my own testimony. I'm very I'm, I'm time conscious. I like things to be done rightly when I'm leaving the house at 9 o'clock. I, I mean, I need, have to leave the house at 9 o'clock. Sometimes I get so upset about it that my family is not ready. I didn't say my wife, but some people are not ready. So we got to a stage when I'm leaving the house, it gets a bit heated. Because we need to be at church at 9.30. We need to be at church. What's everybody doing? You've known this since morning. Why are you not ironing your food, your clothes? Why are you not getting your clothes ready? Now I've got to a stage where at 8.45, I go and sit in the car and wait for everybody to be ready. Because I realize that I'm going to have a heated debate in the house 
And then the hypocrisy is that you've had a strong argument with your wife in the car. When you get to the lobby or the, everybody's laughing, you want to pretend that it's all well. That's how my definition for hypocrisy. I think it is wrong. And I know how to do it. So to avoid that, I go and sit in the car quietly. Whatever time they come, we come to church. So Ellen, please, when I'm late, don't blame me. <laughs> we cannot deceive God because of the things we do. Nothing is hidden from him. We need to remain vulnerable in God's hands. In our weakness, he remains strong. So, we want to look at, if we are not hypocrites, what are we? God is calling us to be sincere. God is calling us to be the same outside and the same inside. And I want to read something to you. This is illustrated in ancient world of poetry. It says, Dishonest poetry salesmen will fill cracks in hard with pearly wax. These cracks could not be detected unless you put them in the sun. But once they are held up to the sun, the crack will become evident. So the vase will be sun judged. If it passed the test, then it was considered without wax or sincera. This is where we get the word sincere. It means to be pure. It means we have to be people with integrity, not hidden with tracks. You are inside what you advertise. So you, when a couple of weeks ago, Ant was preaching here, made reference to people come here, they are different on a Sunday, and on Monday to Friday, they are different people. That is hypocrisy. Your life should reflect what God has called you to be. So what you are on a Sunday should be what you are on a Monday, what you are on a Tuesday, that everybody will know that you are indeed a light of God. The second thing I want to refer to here. Is, so the first thing we looked about is, the first one was, what, why have you kept back? The second thing we want to look at is, why have you let the Satan fill your heart? That was the second question Peter asked. Why have you let Satan fill your heart? You realize that from chapter 2 of Acts to chapter 4, the church was being persecuted right, by the authorities. They had to stand in boldness to be able to win that war. The enemy realized that he wasn't having his way there, so now he needed to deal with them internally. So it was an attack of the enemy against the church. This was a young church that was growing, young group of believers, and they needed to stand. So he, Satan had not been possible to get them externally, so now he was going to use an attack against them. So he, was, he used Ananias to do this. This was an attack on the church, and the couple were used as the medium. So they said, now, why have you let Satan filled your heart. Paul wasn't, Peter, sorry, Peter was not referring to our biological heart or our organ heart. He was referring to our emotions, our soul. He said, why have you let them fill her? And the heart is very important. We believe with our mind and confess with our heart. That's where salvation comes from, right? So I think critical as salvation comes from our heart. So why does it need to be very important? We need to guard our hearts. And I want to refer to Proverbs 4.20. It says that we should guard our hearts with all diligence because out of that springs the issue of life. Guard your heart. If Anas had guarded his heart, Satan would not have filled him. So it's, important, it's very important for us as believers that we guard our heart. What does it mean to guard our heart? It means, it means to mean vigilant. 
We need to be diligent. We need to guard our hearts that we don't have any external influence. Because the question Peter asked that, why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart? It means that Satan had influenced him to make that decision of not giving all the resources to the church by lying to it. So the question is that, how do I guard the hearts? Because that creates a picture of a watchman watching over a security, watching over a prisoner. You have to keep attentive, you have to be vigilant, you have to ensure that that prison doesn't run away. Because in the same way God instructing us in prayer, that we need to guard our hearts. We need to examine everything we do through the word of God. We need to check it with scripture. We need to put it under the lenses of the Holy Spirit. That, Lord, what am I going to do? Does it fall in line with your word? Am I deviating from your purpose? What is scripture saying about this? Holy Spirit, lead me to do this thing. When we do that, we are doing what? We are guarding our hearts. Then finally, he refers twice in Acts chapter 5. He says, and great fear came upon the church. And then in Acts chapter 5, 11, he also referred to it again. And great fear came upon the church. You ask yourself, why is he repeating the same thing over twice. And obviously, scholars will tell that when something is being repeated, it, places, it means he's placing emphasis on something. So he's asking that we need to work. The church was, became fearful. Not that they were scared of God, but they realized that the God we serve hates sin. And then we need to serve him in reverence. We need to serve him in respect. We need to have terror in our work with him. All those who heard what happened, held the name of the Lord in high reverence. It was very important that these new believers understand that God hated sin. And particularly, he hated dishonesty. He hated deception. And above all, he hated hypocrisy. So what is God telling us here? God is telling us that we need to be authentic. And I want to refer to the when I did the what do you call that thing you do with me? When I did the welcome grounded course, I don't know any of you who have not been there, but if you've done it, if you've not been, I suggest you do it. One of the things it says that it says, being real with each other creates a safe place where we can help each other to grow through our weakness and failings. It's about being the same person in private as you are in public. It's about having integrity, but also learning from others. So church, God is telling us this evening that we need to be authentic. We need to walk away from hypocrisy. We need to walk away from deception. We want to walk away from anything. And the problem with believers sometimes is we know it is wrong to lie, so we exaggerate the facts. That's hypocrisy. God doesn't want us to do that. Yeah, we have a way of saying things that is we are lying, but we've We've put it in a way that wants to be truthful. God is telling us tonight that he doesn't want to be involved in that. He wants the church to be authentic. He wants our work to him. We need to be real. Yes, we need to be real. So as I bring my message to an end, a couple of things I want us to pray about. I want to pray that the church will be authentic, will be real, will walk away from hypocrisy. Anything that would distract us, that would deviate us from the purpose of God. Look at how Ananias and Sapphira ended. 
they lost their life. Was it necessary? Was it necessary for them to lie over this incident? The wife, Sophia, had the opportunity. When, he, when she came back in, Peter asked him that, is this the amount you sold the property, the possessions for? She had the opportunity to say no. But what did she do? She tested the spirit. She went ahead to say, yes, we did that. She was in agreement with the husband. Was that necessary? As, as, as married couples, who is our loyalty to? Is our loyalty to God or our loyalty to our partners? Who do we submit to? Yes, the Bible tells us we should submit to our, our partners. But does it mean that we're going to submit at the expense of listening to God's word? The answer is no. We want to do what God has said us to in out of respect and out of fear and reverence for him. So the, the first thing we want to pray about, can you please be outstanding? The first thing we want to pray about is we want to pray that as a church, a body of community here, we walk in total truthfulness. Hypocrisy will be far from us. We will live lives that is pleasing. Begin to pray. Father Lord, we want to thank you. examine ourselves this evening. We want to pray that if there be anything in our hearts, in our minds that is ungodly, that you are not happy with, Father Lord, we ask that we avail ourselves this evening to the Holy Spirit, Lord. Do a surgery in our lives, Lord. Open us up, O Lord, and do that which you alone are capable of doing. Give us the strength if we are finding weaknesses in areas of our lives where there are difficulties, we pray tonight, O Lord, grant us the grace, O Lord, that we'll be people of honesty, we'll be people with integrity, we'll walk in righteousness, we'll walk in holiness, O Lord. The next thing we just want to pray about is that, Lord, guard our hearts, cause us to be able to guard our We are responsible for guarding our hearts. Nobody else is going to do that for us. And how do we guard our hearts? We guard our hearts with the work of God. We guard our work with the leading of the Spirit. We guard our hearts with studying Scripture, Lord. So we want to pray tonight, Lord, that we'll guard our hearts in all that we do, Lord. Father, Lord, grant us grace. Grant us enabling power. Grant us strength, O Lord, that we'll guard our hearts with all diligence, O Lord, that we'll not veer out of your purpose or your counsel, Lord. Lord, we give you praise. We also want to pray. One of the things you identified in this scripture is that Peter walked in the gift of discernment. Word of knowledge. This gift in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about that. It's very important for us as a body of Christ to have that gift in our life. He, Peter, was the leader of the church, but it's, this is not only for the pastors or the leaders, but it's for us all as individuals. That The Bible talks us that we should desire the spiritual gifts. We want to pray for ourselves, the Lord, let me be able to walk in these giftings of God. The gift, these giftings are to edify the body of Christ. So we want to pray this morning, Lord, this is tonight, this Lord, let us walk. Let us operate in these giftings, Lord. Father, Lord, we give you praise. Leaders of this church, oh Lord, that you cause them to continue to walk in these giftings, oh Lord. Not only the leaders, but every individual here, every family member resented here, oh Lord. Lord, we ask that, oh Lord, indeed, we shall walk in these giftings, oh Lord. We shall walk in these giftings, Lord, in our workplaces, oh Lord, in our homes, wherever we find ourselves, oh Father, Lord. Let us experience, oh Lord, the word of knowledge, oh Lord. Let us walk in these giftings, Lord. Father, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus. You also want to pray. The book of Acts is full of 
miraculous signs of God. It's, it's full of amazing things of the things God, God does in the lives of his people. So we want to pray that as we go through this book of Acts, there are no things because it breaks my mind when we are reading scripture, we are reading Bible, and we are not, the evidence of scripture is not tangible in the life of the body of Christ. It's very worrying. So we want to pray that there was healings among the people. Before chapter 4, a layman walked. That should be our portion as believers. So we want to pray for yourself, for everyone you know, anybody related that is unwell. You want to ask that Lord, the same power that operated in the life of these apostles, the same power will be evident in the body of Christ among us. Lift up your voice in prayer. Father, Lord, we want to thank you. We pray for healing tonight, Lord. We pray for healing. Lord, we know that you died on the cross, that your children walk in divine health and healing, Lord. So we pray for our family members. We pray for our friends, our loved ones, everyone connected to us, oh Lord. Father, tonight we are praying, oh Lord, that you stretch out your hand, oh Lord. Your word says, above all things, you wish we prosper and be in good health. As our soul prospers, Lord, it's your desire that your people walk in divine health, Lord. Father, Lord, tonight we pray that there will be a strong move of healing among us, oh Lord. Those sick in their brains, Lord. We pray that you come through for them, Lord. Every part of our body that is unwell, Lord. Tonight we pray your, the healing balm of Gilead, oh Lord, to touch the lives of your people, Lord. Lord, I pray that no one, anyone that is sick tonight, oh Lord, will walk out of this premises, oh Lord, with healing, with healing, Lord, with healing. Lord, we know you are the one who heals, Lord. You are the chief physician, Lord. So tonight, Lord, we pray your healing hand over your people, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you thanks. We want to pray. Clive, we want to pray for Clive. One day I'll share my testimony, how I passed cross. But Clive is an amazing man. He's, he's an asset to us as a church. We know he's had some health challenges. I want to spend some time. How many of you love him? I do. I love him very much. How many of you enjoyed the service this morning? Amazing. He's an asset to us. He's an asset to the body of Christ. So we want to spend some time praying for him this morning. You know, Acts, Acts chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible talks about the fact that when the layman was healed, they say he was in perfect health, right? Some other versions refer to it as he, was, he had sound health. You remember that the scripture was written by a doctor. Luke was a physician. So if a physician tells you that somebody has got perfect health, he knows what he's referring to, right? I'm not a carpenter or I'm not a caterer. But if a caterer tells you you are in perfect health, be worried about it. But if a doctor tells you that you are in perfect health, you should be convinced. This is scripture. He says, the lame man was in perfect health. We can trust God for Clive to have perfect health. How many of you agree with that? So tonight I pray that, Lord, heal him. He's an asset to Forest Town. He's an asset to the nations, Lord. So stretch out your hand to him, that Lord. We want to pray over him, Lord. Father, Lord, tonight we commit Clive into your hands. In the name of Jesus. Lord, from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet, Lord, we pray healing. We speak to every fiber of his being. We speak to his nerve. We speak to his blood vessel. We speak to 
everything in his body, Lord. Father, Lord, the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead, O Lord, we pray that power into him, O Lord. Father, Lord, we pray long life. We pray good health. We ask that as his days will be, so he will strength be, O Lord. Father, Lord, we want to thank you. We want to give you praise. We want to give you all the glory, Lord, because indeed, you are prayer answering God. This is the confidence we have in you, that anything which I ask in your name, O Lord, you will do it, O Lord. So tonight, we are declaring total healing for him, O Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Finally, the Bible tells us that he added to their numbers daily. In Acts, he talks about 1,000. He asks about 3,000. We want to pray for our evening service. Not only our evening service, we want to pray for our morning service. Too. That God, we want to take some. I'm sure that God laid on the leadership of the church to have this evening service and for a purpose. So our prayer tonight is, Lord, let the souls come. There are people in St. Ambassador that need to hear the word of God. So in the same way, God added to these believers, their numbers daily. Peter ministers, 1,000 come to Christ. He ministers, 3,000 come to Christ. This, this shouldn't be things we are reading about. This should be things the church is experiencing. So I pray tonight, the Lord, we open the gates to St. Albans. Bring their souls in. Lift up your voice in prayer. Father, Lord, we want to thank you. We give you praise. You are a good God, O Lord. Lord, we ask that there will be a revival. Hearts will turn to you, O Lord. Bring in souls from the west, from the north, from the east, or the south, O Lord. Let them come to the knowledge of your saving grace. Father, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. Lord, have your way. We are limited in the things we do, but we know you are unlimited. Bring in the souls. Let them know you. We take certain abundance for Christ the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.